Hello, Totally Sort of listeners. This marks the final unreleased episode, which is now being released. We took the week off to prepare for our spectacular episode 20 season finale. We'll see how that works out. There's a lot here this week. We talked about a bunch of TV shows, Black Lightning, Runaways, The Gifted. We also cover a bunch of board games, Bargain Quest, Cthulhu Pandemic, and a little conversation about HP Lovecraft. This episode also has our very first take-home top three, where Chris was tasked with finding three television shows that either ended too soon or went on way too long. It's all coming up next on the Totally Sort of Podcast. Hey, welcome everybody. You are listening to the third installation of our unreleased secret versions of Totally Sort of, the podcast. I'm Chris McInnes. And I'm Darren Hogan. How you doing this week, buddy? I'm good. I had a good week. It was a little too busy for me than I would have liked, but other than that, it was good. Nice. Nice. I uh, Yeah, it was a really good weekend. Had a lot of, lot of gaming this weekend. This weekend or during the week? Just the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You got any uh, any random anecdotes for the week? Yeah, my most interesting thing I did this week that was unrelated, but sort of related, was I saw Henry Rollins on Monday. Oh, nice. How was that? On his latest tour. It was excellent. I have seen him do his spoken word tour before, but he's touring uh, with a bit of a twist this time, that it's a travel slideshow spoken word so he plays slides of photos that he's taken in the course of his travels and then tells stories that relate directly to the pictures cool it was still similar to what he does as his spoken word and that everything relating to the pictures is a story that relates to either meeting people or having experiences which is generally what his spoken word is about just the the breadth of his travels is pretty remarkable and you sort of watch and go He's been to all these places that I'd love to go to someday, but probably will never make it to. And he's also been to places that I never, ever want to go to. Yeah, that's cool. I think the highlights in terms of the photos which uh, interact with the stories would be, one, he talked about going to. A lot of it is just he decides he wants to do something and then does it. That's basically his travel. So he decided he wanted to be in Bhopal, India, for the protests surrounding the 25th anniversary of the Union Carbide chemical disaster. That's something. So he went there, took part in the protests, and then afterwards snuck onto the Union Carbide plant and went all the way in and got to the control panel for Tanker 69, which is the one that exploded, and took a picture of it. So that was the... Other than some pictures of the surrounding protests and things, he had his picture just of that control panel and then incorporated it into the story. So he just walked in and walked up to the control panel? Yep. Wow. And then the, the other was at the end, he talked about how... You know, when I do spoken word, I always have a an idea of a story that I want to use to end it. But with this sort of travel slideshow, I couldn't think of how to end this. So I think this is a good way to end it. 
and he showed this picture that I've never seen before, which is a picture of him in 1981 when he auditioned for Black Flag. So it's just a wow. picture of him singing with Black Flag as like a kid, basically. It's, it was really cool. And did he, if I remember correctly, he had like long, long hair when he started back then, didn't he? No, that uh, he sort of grew his hair as they got into it. So okay. in the in the original picture of him auditioning for Black Flag, he's got that classic sort of Henry Rollins tight tight yeah. brush cut. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's a great photo. Cool. Yeah, I had a fairly unremarkable week. Uh, my most exciting moment was probably um, destroying an item from the hardware store that I had purchased about half an hour earlier. <laughs> I was doing a little little DIY experimentation and didn't go so well. I, I love trying to figure out how to do things and fix things, but I'm not necessarily the best at it. So so I bought this week a, a multimeter, which is a little electronic gizmo for um, measuring any kind of electrical signal or testing any kind of electrical circuits. And it's a very flexible, basic tool, but that means it's also really kind of open-ended in how it works and doesn't really come with a lot of instructions. It's basically a dial and a little meter that shows you what it's measuring and two little pokey things that you touch to different ends of things or whatever to to measure whether a circuit's complete or how strong it is or that kind of thing. And what were you originally purchasing this for? I was purchasing purchasing this to uh, see if the outlets in one of our bedrooms were grounded because it's really old wiring. I couldn't tell whether these outlets needed to be completely rewired or whether they just need updated receptacles. So I was trying to find out if this is something I could do myself or something I need to get an electrician in for. Based on my first attempt at just measuring the uh, the one outlet, uh, I didn't have the multimeter set right. I had it set for like measuring electronics. And so I put the little pokey things in the outlet and pop, blew the fuse on it. And so now I have to go to the store and buy a new fuse for the multimeter. So <laughs> that uh, that purchase lasted me all of about 10 minutes. Excellent. So that was my adventure in DIY for the week. Kind of thought that story was going to end with a much explosive finish. <laughs> No, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'll just stop there because I, I probably shouldn't just tell, tell, tell you all of the dangerous things I've done in this house or you'll never want to come visit it again. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we get into the guts of the thing? Sounds good to me. All right. The guts would be My Week in Geek. My Week in Geek. How was your week in Geek? It was excellent. What were you consuming and enjoying this week? Starting with television, I watched the first episode of Black Lightning. Same here. Oh, so we have something to talk about that both of us did. Did you even know the show was coming? Yeah, I did. Okay, I hadn't even heard that they were making it. I just, uh, and I I thought to myself when I saw that on Netflix, I'm like, that's kind of cool and how cool is it that we've reached a point that they're making so many superhero shows and movies that I don't even know about all of them? That's that's a pretty cool place to be in history. Although it uh, came out on Netflix this week, you know where it comes from, who's actually making it? Um, I did see it was a cable channel. It's the CW. Okay. So it's the same channel that makes The Flash and Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow. Okay. Well, that's why it felt 
very samey, samey, samey to me. So you watched it through the one episode that uh, was, I guess, released at the same time on Netflix? Yeah, it looks like it's going to release every Tuesday on Netflix. So you didn't know anything about it going in beforehand? Had you seen, you hadn't seen a trailer for hadn't it or anything? Hadn't seen a trailer, hadn't seen anything. I enjoyed it, but I was, I wasn't wowed by it by any means. All right, so I got to ask you, what did you think of the costume? Yeah, it was okay. It kind of felt a little bit like Mystery Men to me. Like, yeah, well, I thought it was pretty terrible. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, it's it was a step above terrible, but uh, pretty bad. And it I kind I really... of puff the puffiness of the lightning bolts. I didn't understand. Yeah. Like they they looked like they were rounded foam lightning bolts rather than sort of stark well, jagged lines which and, would have made sense to me and plus i mean the 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 kind of lighting effects on the costume you can buy that el wire for costuming anywhere and if you go to like a rave or burning man or anything you see people wearing all these lit up costumes and it just looks like that so yeah i don't understand why as a superhero who may occasionally want to hide in the shadows or (laughs) not be a glowing target you would want a costume that lights up and makes you more visible than you otherwise might be i also and you know never mind any kind of critique of the show here this is just flat out nerd nitpicking personally i don't know why they had to make his lightning blue Blue lightning, blue energy bolts just feel like so absolutely generically dull in in movies and television now. I thought, you know, couldn't they just go with some nice yellow, just more cartoony, lightning-y look to his actual, you know, powers? I thought the fact that his lightning itself was blue and his costume had the blue elements, I just thought, eh, that was just like taking the the easy route. And so then, despite the criticisms that we've had, how did you find, how did you feel about the show after you watched um, it? The, the lead actor was pretty good. It, it reminded me a lot of Luke Cage. I thought it was pretty good that they were trying to tie it into kind of the climate of what's going on with people being more aware of police abuse of power and, and those kinds of things. But it wasn't, uh, I, I didn't feel like it was quite as natural feeling as luke cage overall but yeah it was all right how about you i enjoyed it i liked him but the whole time i was watching it and i don't want to necessarily give away the ending but the whole time i was watching it i and when i watched the trailers and knowing it came from the cw my thought all along was he's not going to be the hero of the show because mm. this is not the demographic that the cw is aiming at 50 year old men are not there there are basically no other shows on the cw with anyone over 30 involved (laughs) in them in any way so i was watching it and as soon as we met his daughters i was like all right so pretty soon he'll be stepping aside and we'll be watching a show about his daughters who've inherited his superpowers i get the sense that that's probably where it's going eventually yeah, I there's a little. Uh, I I don't think we need to worry too much about spoilers. There's there's some definite hinting about that towards the end of the show, and I'm not overly familiar with uh, Black 
Black Lightning within the DC comic universe, so I had to, to go online and do some Googling of his uh, extended family and or sidekicks or uh, family members and... Both of his daughters have powers. Both of his daughters have powers, and I have to say, you know, Lightning and Thunder and what was the other one? Boom or Sonic or something? It was. It was. <laughs> yeah. They were just some bad names. Yeah. So I get the sense that at some point he's going to become the sort of veteran who stays in the background and provides advice and training and support for his daughters who are going to be the actual heroes. That's yeah, possible, or at uh, least be more of a team team focus but yeah i i hadn't thought about it in the context of what cw does with with their shows so that's interesting to see i um i'm curious what they're going to do for villains uh right now it that was the part that felt very very similar to luke cage to me and that they're just going with kind of crime lords as the villains at this point only one episode in so who knows i like the crime lord with the piranha tank though yeah that was good (laughs) Bear, oh, barracuda. Piranhas or barracudas? Piranhas, I guess. Yeah, piranhas. Yeah. yeah, it was a very James Bondy uh, yeah. villain type thing. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, no, I, it was. Uh, it was. It was fun. It was just kind of neat to see something, and I had no idea what was coming. And I liked the idea that he was um, kind of coming out of retirement. That was a little bit made it a little bit more interesting that he had a backstory, but they didn't dwell on it. We didn't have to go through an origin story or anything like that. Don't you think we're probably going to get one at some point? I'm sure we'll get subjected to one. There'll be a flashback sequence. Yeah. <laughs> they already gave us a couple in the first episode to right. why why he went into retirement. So yeah. Sorry, generally I thought it was uh it was a good show. I didn't have any issue with it. It uh it works. Uh it worked as a story. It seems it gave itself places to go. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it expands. I think there were a couple of a couple of hokey moments, but there were some really cool moments too. So, yeah, it averaged out to a to a pretty solid positive for me. What else? Uh, what else have you been watching? The other show that I caught up with this week was The Gifted. Oh, okay. Have you have you watched The Gifted at all? Not at all. So The Gifted is X Men universe show. Okay. Set generally in the world that the recent reboot of the x-men movies okay is set. yeah I'd, I'd seen trailers for that it looked interesting it is interesting but it's one of those shows that hasn't hadn't quite fully captured me but every once in a while when i think all right maybe i'm done with this show they do something that draws me back in hmm. and of course i'm a sucker for the x-men universe to begin with sure what they did which sucked me in wholesale was uh, the the last three episodes that I watched, they sort of introduced this telepath okay. as as one of the the sort of mutants on the run, and she kept telling them that the the sentinel, sentinel services, rather than having actual sentinels, is sort of the organization that's policing mutants, and she kept telling them they have my family, they have my family, we have to do whatever it takes to get it back, okay, get them back. And she started using her telepathic powers to sort of manipulate them towards uh, a rushed plan to assault this facility and get them back. Hmm. And she wasn't doing anything that would necessarily be detrimental to the mutants, but she was definitely pushing them in the direction she wanted to go. So there was 
some question about whether she was leading them into a trap, doing something, and I was kind of a little dull with it, that, you know, what, what, what's going on? And uh, then they push forward to the plan. She pushes them to rescue the, her family. Her family are two other identical twin blonde telepaths it's the they're the stepford cuckoos the three they they start as five and then eventually become <laughs> three they're all clones of emma frost and as soon as i saw the other two i knew who they were all of a sudden and it all it all sort of made sense and i was uh, i was hooked to uh, get back in again at that point there's there's something about that that kind of easter egg recognition reaction um as a comic book fan when you get those little hits of recognition, because I remember in Jessica Jones when I realized that the army person that was involved was Nuke from Daredevil. When I realized that, I was like, oh, it's Nuke! And Jen was just like, what What are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I love those moments. That's yeah, cool. when I, for me, in Jessica Jones is when I realized that her blonde friend is Hellcat. Okay, so I hadn't actually caught that myself. <laughs> Not a character yeah. I know too well, but yeah. Um, so, question for you about the gifted: Is it how far along is it? Many episodes. They are seven episodes in. Okay. Now, have you seen? Because I think this is also running now. Uh, Runaways. Yes, I've. I'm not uh, caught up on Runaways, but I have been watching it. Because that one looked pretty cool from the trailers, at least. It's really good. Yeah? Uh, I'm halfway through. It's a 10-episode season. Mm -hmm. It uh, is a direct Hulu release in the States that is being carried here on Showcase, I believe. Okay. So I'm halfway through uh, that being episode 5 of the 10-episode run. It's it's really good. The production values are really high. Uh, almost all the acting is really good. The kids are all really good, really close in terms of the the comic. Did you ever read Runaways? I don't think I did. I might have caught an episode or an issue here or there, but not. I wasn't familiar with it as a series. So it started. It's a Brian K. Vaughn book, mm -hmm. and uh, eventually, at some point way down the road, Joss Whedon took over and finished it. But uh, I really enjoyed the series. I've read it all. Uh, well, sorry. I read the initial run to the end of the story uh, arc that begins it, and then they sort of went off and became regular parts of the Marvel Universe, at which point I kind of lost track of them. So and, uh, with the TV show Runaways, do you think it's something that suffers from not being as integrated with a bigger Marvel Universe, or is it a story that kind of can stand on its own? I think it's a story that stands on its own. Uh, the issue will be, though, they're in Los Angeles. I guess what, thus far in the Marvel Universe, we don't really have any other heroes in Los Angeles. Not, so there's not, not, really. not yet the question of okay. why aren't... Why isn't anybody else after these uh, people? The one thing that uh, the departure that the show makes from the comic is that the comic was really just about the kids. And... Their parents were in the background as the sort of, we found out our parents are bad people and now we need to do what we can and then run away. Mm -hmm. The show is really telling two parallel stories 
the story of the parents and what the bad thing that they're up to is and then the the story of the kids and they mm. both sort of get equal time cool it's uh i mean i think you probably got to tell it that way because otherwise you know in the comic it was always sort of just kept ambiguous but it was because the comic was envisioning a, a long run where they could build out that story over time mm-hmm. whereas in the show they want to hook you in the backstory of the parents right away so that you can sort of i guess appeal to a broader audience right in, in some ways so to some extent while i'm watching it i just I want less of the parents and more of the kids because that's the story that I know and want to see what they do. But both are really good. All of the acting on both sides is quite good. Cool. Have you seen the previews for Cloak and Dagger? I have not. So Cloak and Dagger is coming out uh, soon, maybe this year. And I'm pretty conflicted. (laughs) I, I loved those characters initially. Me too. However, as I look back on them and think about trying to update them for today i think they're pretty it's a pretty two-dimensional concept i don't know how well it's gonna work it'll be interesting to see it's just it it seems like a really kind of i don't want to say racist but just really kind of hackneyed the blonde pristine little girl and the the troubled black boy just as this you know it's it's very kind of fairy tale-ish but i think it's it's almost in those broad strokes there's no way of getting around that kind of white and black dynamic and i think it it was kind of fun for a comic book in the 80s but i don't know if it's gonna fly as a live action thing in 2018 and the the issue with that uh, will again be how much integration is there in the marvel universe because when all you're telling is this story it is literally a story of black and white mm-hmm. light and dark mm-hmm. but in the in the comic books they always had other heroes that they could bounce off of spider-man was a regular made regular appearances in cloak and dagger uh, daredevil made regular appearances punisher made regular appearances mm-hmm. so there were other uh, related characters that they could then bounce all alternating stories off of but if you're not going to have any of those heroes uh, available is it just going to be a story of light and dark black and white yeah i don't know it'll be interesting to see and i i just have to run with this because we seem to have spun into a uh, uh comic book tv uh roundup are you gonna go new mutants uh well i am intrigued by that but i think we'll just have to wait and see there's not too much to go on yet uh, it's interesting looks promising looks different enough uh have you watched the punisher Yes. And what'd you think? I thought it was good. It was probably three episodes too long. Okay. Have you watched the whole thing? I haven't watched any of it. I never really liked Punisher as a character. And I thought he was... a His integration into the Daredevil stories was pretty good. But I got... You know, I felt like I had my fill of Punisher based on that. I'll, I'm sure I'll get around to it at some point. But essentially the idea of a so-called hero who really is just going around shooting people it's i don't know doesn't do a lot for me they do build them a more heroic story in the punisher series than they generally do in the 
comics, uh, or at least at this point, he still has uh, an objective that seems uh, noble and honorable, okay. regardless of the fact that he's pursuing it in a way that involves, <laughs> you know, killing people, which has been generally uh, in the realm of superheroes is one of the no-nos. <laughs> but not a, going back, though, thinking Black Lightning, some of those people didn't seem to be getting up again. No, I, the, that uh, seemed seemed like a little uh a little beyond taser level electricity going on there yeah and i think there's one scene where some guy's shooting at him and he just grabs the other guy and holds him in front of him yeah i think you're right that's uh yeah <laughs> and the guy get guy gets shot like three times while he's using him as a human shield <laughs> as long as you're using a bad person as a human shield it's okay yeah. so punisher as i said uh there's a side story departure in the middle of the is it 13 episodes and i think it could have done without those entirely and just stuck to the the yeah. main story that was moving along because it was actually quite good and hmm. uh, so i thought it was really good i enjoyed it uh, it captivated me from beginning to end other than the even while the side story was going on right. i was thinking well, why are we doing this so what better better than iron fist yeah, for sure. Better than Defenders? No. Okay. I like the Defenders. Defenders was better than Iron Fist. <laughs> I, I didn't love it, but it was pretty good. I uh, put Defenders almost on par with Daredevil Season 2. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. Cool. Well, I think that's lots of television. I don't know about you. Yeah, there's always lots of television. <laughs> Okay, why don't we switch gears a little bit? Talk about board games? Sure, I've been playing so many co-op games lately. It seems like everything I've been playing the last week or two has been a cooperative game of some sort. I had the pleasure of introducing some friends to Pandemic Cthulhu version. Have you played that? I have not. So it's a, a really nice tweak on the Pandemic game. Uh, with a little bit of simplification of the rules, a little bit of shortening of things, and a lot of flavor. So the art is great, the flavor is terrific, your investigators going around the different kind of New England locations trying to uh, stomp out cultists before they summon all the elder gods, because uh, instead of having an outbreak of viruses the way you would in traditional pandemic. When you get too many cultists in one area, then they, they summon an elder god, and you reveal an extra card, which is one of the elder gods, which has some sort of terrible effect. So um, the overall kind of doomsday clock is all the elder gods getting revealed, and of course the last one is Cthulhu, and if you get to that, then game over. Game over, man. But it was uh, a lot of fun. Our friends had never played a pandemic game, and they really liked it, so that was kind of a fun introduction I got to depart a bit at this point and just talk generally about HP Lovecraft because I got for Christmas, I got the graphic novel of the, uh, the case of Charles Dexter Ward, which oh, nice. is my favorite story by yeah. him. But when I was looking at it and leafing through it, I was generally thinking he was pretty much unappreciated in his time. Mm -hmm. And I think he would be utterly amazed to know that at this point in time, the Cthulhu mythos lives on so largely in general geek culture that it permeates 
almost everything. You find you run across it in comics, in role playing games, and in board games. I mean, there's a whole sect of board games that are all based on Cthulhu myths. I I imagine he would be having experienced what he did in his time with how underappreciated his work was, just absolutely stunned by its longevity. Well, you know why it is so omnipresent in gaming and geek culture right now is because it's public domain. Yeah. Uh, If it had some sort of big publishing house or Disney behind it saying, pay us licensing fees for this, I think that's really, it's not the only reason it's popular, but it's uh, certainly helped. So the other game that I've been playing, uh, or just played tonight actually, um, was a little Kickstarter exclusive indie thing that I'd never seen before, and it was called Maximum Apocalypse. It was so much fun and had such great art. It's something that I'm going to have to chase down and get a copy of, and I'm going to have to send you some pictures because the art was fantastic. It's basically uh, an adventure game where you're in some sort of post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic setting and you each have a character with a deck of items and abilities i was a fireman there was a a veteran and a dog with his dog we had a a surgeon and basically you're going around looking for items and you know our objective in this game was to find a scientist get him back to our van and find three cans of gas and get out of there the deck of cards that we were playing as our enemy was zombies, so we had all kinds of different zombie dogs, and the the boss was uh, like this uh, zombie prom queen. <laughs> it was a really cool, fast-moving little adventure game. We had a group of six players, and it still moved quickly. The card art was fantastic, and it was it just was a lot of fun. It was avoiding all the kind of fiddliness and overcomplication that drives me nuts in in a lot of these kickstarter games sorry was this was it a straight up card game basically the map or the board was uh built with tiles which were face down tiles so as you moved around from location to location you'd reveal um locations and each player had uh, a deck uh and basically your cards would you had four actions per turn and some of your some of those actions would require a card, and some of them would just be like a move or whatever. So everyone has their own deck based on their character, and uh, that de- kind of determines what you would do in a turn. It was a really really nice, quick moving game. Highly recommend it. Sounds good. Yeah, I played this week Bargain Quest. Oh, is that now? Is that the one with uh, like a fantasy shop? Yep. So when we were at Shucks yeah. in September, they were touting it quite highly, but there wasn't a version of it there. Right. But based on the recommendation and the fact it sounded like fun, I pre-ordered it. Okay. So my copy showed up, and I played a couple of games with friends and a game with the kids as well. So how did how did it turn out? It's uh, really fun. It's a good mix of a couple of different mechanics that kind of all mesh together. Yeah. You the theme of the game is that you uh, are in a town that is menaced by a monster and heroes show up to fight the monster. They come with money but uh, completely unprepared by way of items and accessories to fight this monster and the players in the game play the item shops in town that are going to attempt to sell things to the heroes so that they can go and and defeat the monster. It works on a drafting 
uh, card drafting to get items into your shop. So you deal out hands, you draft a card from it, pass it to your left. I always like drafting. Yeah, so it starts out with a drafting mechanic, and then you have a, a handful of items in the end, and you have to try and attract one of the heroes to your store. So you have a window that you can place one of your items in to attempt to attract heroes to your store. Mm -hmm. They're going to come based on what type of item you put there and how attractive an item it is. So you get different heroes show up. There are fighters, there are clerics, there are wizards, and then there are sort of dual combos of characters that have both classifications, like paladins. And so you put an item in your window, but there's a secret reveal. So everybody puts down... Uh, an item and then once it's all once everybody's selected you flip them over and then you so you don't necessarily know when you're drafting and you can't really be sure which hero is going to come to your store and you can only sell items to a hero who wants your type of item that uh attracting heroes mechanic reminds me a lot of the card game boss monster have you ever played that yeah i have and it's it is very similar uh that that was what it made me think of Mm -hmm. as well So once you get a a hero to your store, you can sell whatever items that you have that they want to them, and then they all the heroes get equipped and they go off to fight the monster. If they are successful, your store gains prestige. Uh, If the sorry, if the hero that came to your store is successful, your store gains prestige. You get one prestige point towards uh, the end total points if they are successful in wounding the monster and one if they survive the encounter and at the end of the game you get points uh, added up for how much prestige you've accumulated but there's also a mechanism for converting the money that you've collected over the course of the game into points and the first uh, couple times I played it with friends I kind of started to think there's a there's a way to play this game and and ignore the prestige and just focus on fleecing the heroes that come to your store mm-hmm. for as much money as possible and I, I started thinking I wonder if that's a viable means to victory and okay. of course I get it I get it home I start playing with my kids and Skylar uh, has no luck in the first round getting good stuff to the heroes but makes some money and just runs with that strategy and beats me and his brother nice. with a straight out fleece the heroes i don't care whether they live or die are successful or not because you can only get uh, on a on an average turn two victory points or prestige points but you get money for every you get points at the end of the game for every 10 gold you get and it's not that difficult to fleece the heroes for at least 20 per round so it's uh, the option is there, and he certainly proved that it was a viable one. That's that's always cool when a game has multiple tactics that you can use. Kind of reminds me of the Bloody Inn, which is a card game that, you know, you're ultimately playing for points, but there are some very different ways that you can go about getting those points. So, cool. I will. Um, so you've got a copy? Yes, I do. I will have to check that out. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Nice. Next, we had video games as something we might want to talk about. I don't want to go into great detail because I just got started with this, but I was pretty happy to uh, check out Reigns, Her Majesty. Now, are you familiar with the first Reigns game? It sounds familiar, but I can't recall. So the best example or, or pitch I've heard to describe Reigns is it's an RPG played through a Tinder interface. So basically, you're the 
king of a kingdom and every turn you get a face in front of you saying my lord my lord the peasants are starving should we feed them or fight them off and so you swipe, swipe left, left or swipe, swipe right? right it really works it's uh it's it's roguelike in that you you have many many unsuccessful attempts at the game it's how long can you survive but it has a great sense of humor you keep trying to learn you have very very limited information uh, when you start out but eventually you get to the point where you get the ability to kind of see what impact your decisions will have you have sort of is it the church going to get too powerful in which case you're going to die uh, is the army going to get too powerful in which case you're going to get deposed you're trying to just basically run the kingdom for as long as you can but it, every every game ends with you being killed in some terrible way but it has a really really great cartoony art um fun weird obtuse kind of sense of humor like uh and you you never quite know there's like some hallucination and things going on you eat some bad mushrooms and so you never quite know are like are you hallucinating things or is this game just really weird there's a talking dog <laughs> it's uh it's pretty cool so this new version um her majesty is basically reigns 2.0 it's the same kind of tinder mechanic uh where you're you're just talking to people swipe left swipe right to say yes or no but it's introduced items and a couple more little little bit more uh control but it's still just trying to figure out what's going on and just gradually learning more and more about who can you trust who shouldn't you trust what platform are we talking about for this I think it's universal. I'm playing it on uh, iPad, but uh, you could certainly play it on a phone, and I think it's on Steam as well. It's it's a really good one to just pop into if you've got like a uh, like a three minute gaming window. So it's a lot of fun. We all need those three minute gaming window <laughs> games. Can't get enough. How about you? Anything uh, you've been checking out this week? I have been checking out a game that I am in the alpha testing for. Hmm called gala collider okay i did check the uh, non-disclosure agreement and there is none it basically says talk about us as much as you can and promote us to anyone you want so gala collider you heard it here first a couple of years ago at the comic and cartoon arts festival in toronto they had a copy of the a very early version of this game playing on ipad and the I and my kids played it. It was kind of fun. We left them our email, and about a month ago, I started getting emails from them saying they now had an up-and-running alpha version, and would I like to get in and try it? So I have. It is a, a space game, which they describe as a digital card deck-building game uh, mingled with a turn-based strategy game. Hmm. So... You have a three-dimensional map of the galaxy divided into systems. You start in one system, your opponent starts in another system, and you have a hand of cards. The cards are ships you can build, bases you can build, upgrades to ships and bases and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And you basically expand from your base uh, towards your opponent, come in conflict, and then try and defeat them in some ways. Cool. And there are a number of there are a number of different win conditions. So you so can... does it play out? um like a card game in terms of like a dueling game or is it more like an ongoing thing 
Now, the, the cards are used just as your resources, not to actually fight. Okay. So when you play a card, it actually, that's a ship, it actually builds the ship. The ship is up okay. on the, up in the game, and then you can move the ship independently. Okay, so it has and so you, some card mechanics or card collecting elements, but the game itself isn't really a card game. No, it's not. Okay. The, the cards are your resources available that you play out to... I want to build this ship. I have a build ship card, so on this turn I can build a ship. I want to settle this base. I have a base card, so when I go to the system I can play it to build this base. There are then some modifier cards that will let you do uh, specific things during combat or while other things are going on. The games are not uh, overly long although there are different scenarios there are bigger or smaller galaxies and there are a few different parameters for how you can win so if you have somebody in all of the uh, systems on the board you win if you can push your opponent back to having no but nothing but their home world they you win or if you can actually invade and keep a, a an invading fleet in their home world system for a full turn you win so it has a couple of different mechanics to win including one that's just points for development so you can win in a number of ways it's uh, it's really quite neat and it has a pretty three-dimensional uh, sort of map of the the get different connected systems in this galaxy that you're playing in and you can rotate it in uh, 360 degrees to look at it and zoom in in different areas and see what ships are circling this system it's uh it's quite fun it's not yet complete uh, they most of the cards when you play them They've got a little temporary art only written on them. Mm -hmm. So it's it's difficult to know how nice it's going to look in the end, but it's actually quite uh, quite fun to play. It's not that long, so you can play a game in a relatively short period of time. The company making it, uh, I think it's the first game they've made, is called Neocrux, N-E-O-C-R-U-X. And uh, I think they've got a sort of fun little game that I think in the end is going to be multi-platform. Right now, the uh, alpha, which I'm in, is running on uh, PC. Cool. Yeah, I'm uh, looking at some images on their website and it uh, looks like a cool, cool world. Yeah, it's very fun. Nice. Right, so you want to go down and uh, talk about the top... Uh, three lists that we did that I gave you from last week? Sure. So remind me again, what, what was my homework assignment? Last week I challenged you to come up with the top three TV shows that either ended too early or went on for way too long. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, this was difficult because that's a, a, a ripe area. But I did come up with, I think, the ones that, that were top of mind for me one because I just finished rewatching it is Westworld. Uh, now this one's a bit of a maybe a bit of a cheat. This is one that they're doing a second season of, and I wish they weren't. I thought you don't want to see Samurai Westworld. I, I, I guess that would be Eastworld. Yeah, I just feel like uh, it was such a great story. They explored a lot of ideas, and it just doesn't need another season. So I look forward to being proven wrong. I thought the same thing about Stranger Things, and I ended up liking the second season maybe even better than the first. So hopefully I'll be proven wrong, but I don't know. I just don't like the assumption that just because something is good and successful that you need to keep going with it. That is a bold choice given how interested people are in season number two. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, I'd love to be wrong. The other one that... uh, definitely did end too soon was freaks and geeks this was one of my favorite shows 
That's one that really holds up still to season after season of watching. And when I look at that cast and I look at all the talent on that show, it's such a crime that they didn't get longer to explore some of those characters. It would have been great to see even one more season. So Freaks and Geeks is my number two pick. See, I wonder how much it had to do with... I mean, I suspect it's probably a ratings thing because I think it was probably a little beyond... Uh, routine public consumption at that time the the stories and the way it was building but it would have been difficult to keep that cast together for very long because uh, they were very busy very shortly doing a lot of other stuff yeah it I mean it was so ahead of its time in terms of just the tone and um, yeah such a good show and then I guess the number three uh, or number one depending on the way we're counting here that I have to to go back to again because I'd rewatched it recently and it had me reevaluating whether this is a show that both ended too soon and possibly could have gone on longer. Carnival. So I know you're a Carnival fan as well. I was. But I I think what was so fascinating about Carnival was it started out and it felt like it was going to be kind of a monster of the week X-Files kind of show with with some longevity to it and uh, felt like they just got started on the second season, found out they weren't going to get a third season, and had to put a, a whole lot of story into what was left of, of the season. And um, it was better than I remembered in terms of how the season ended, but I still felt like uh, that was a show that had a lot of potential for a more episodic approach. And they ended up having to just do the main story arc. And I, I feel like it wasn't as good when they were just doing one main story. Yeah, I really enjoyed the first season. And if uh, it had been cut off in the first season, I would have put it definitively in the this show ended way too soon. And then I was just so disappointed with the second season. But I know exactly what you mean. I, I sort of knew it wasn't. It's weird how a show can be colored for you when even you know that it's not going to be mm-hmm. renewed. And suddenly you don't really want to invest as much in it and you've got to think that the people creating it if they knew they were done this season how much investment they would put in it i just thought it uh, the second season was hard to watch yeah hmm. cool for our next segment i think uh you got a beef with something you got uh your grumpy old man story for us here it's and live with him and shoot him. Yeah, my grumpy old man story goes back actually to something we've already talked about, and it's back to Bargain Quest, unfortunately. Uh-oh. And it is the board games with absolutely no inserts to put any of the components mm-hmm. inside. And so with Bargain Quest, they put it in a nice tight little box, which is okay. really nice because it's nice to have a smaller box to carry stuff around. Except inside that box, you've got... Uh, all of the boards that are the shops, it yeah. fit really nice when all of the tokens, and there are a lot of tokens, were all laid out in sheets before you punch them all out. But they don't get as flat as that afterwards. Mm. You've also got five different decks of cards that if you don't have inserts to put them in and they all have to sit in there flat, they're just going to be commingling in the box. So... One, there's no dividers to to keep any of that stuff separate inside the box. And two, the lid of my box will not go all the way down because 
the tokens take up more space when they're in a bag than they do when they're laid out flat on the board. So poor, poor man. The box won't close probably. No, I feel your pain. Um, uh, now, is there like an expansion or bonus content that you've crammed into the box there? All right. So I, I have to say that in light of that, there are a few uh-huh. extra pieces that I have, but I've <laughs> I actually, so that I could make sure I was not just complaining about getting extra stuff, I took all of the things that they gave me out and I still can't get the box closed properly. All right. Okay. Well, that's that's a legit beef. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna um, challenge you on that one a little bit though, because, uh, well, not challenge you, you're entitled to your beef. That's uh, that's the whole point of this segment. We generally like to keep it positive, but once in a while, you got to admit what's bugging you. Inserts actually bug me because I, I travel with my games a lot. So um, board game inserts are great if you keep your boxes horizontal, face up, on a shelf, on a table. But even the best inserts, if you tip your tip the game on a on its side and carry it around in a bag or whatever. Everything is just going everywhere, and card games are the worst. There's nothing worse than opening a game to play it, and everything is everywhere, and you've got to spend 10 minutes just sorting cards and crap. Have you ever had a box of Dominion do that on you? Uh, my Dominion does not leave the house. It's <laughs> <laughs> when, when a box of Dominion that does that to you, there's a lot of reorganizing yeah. to get everything back yeah. in place. I, I believe it, yeah. Uh, but yeah, card games are the worst for that. So, uh, well, that's been fun. I think we covered a lot of ground this week. We did. I guess that's it for this week. Good talking to you, buddy. Good to talk to you too, man. All right. We will be back again next week with more Totally Sort Of. And I will talk to you next week.